0: Today's episode of the Nick Bob Podcast is brought to you by Pella Windows and Doors. You know, a new door, new set of windows can do a lot of things for you. It can change the look, the feeling, the vibe of your home. It can add value to your home, and it can make your home more energy efficient. It's hot out there. Make sure that your windows are keeping your energy efficiency of your house high. Pella checks all those boxes and then some. So now is the time. Turn your window and door modeling dreams into a reality with Pella. Check them out online, PellaOmaha.com. That's PellaOmaha.com. And the Nick Bob Podcast is brought to you by my pals at Runza. Got three words for you. French onion burger. Oh, yeah. French onion dip, grilled onions, Swiss cheese. Oh, my goodness. You may be reading those ingredients and wondering how Swiss cheese snuck into a French burger. That's because there's no such thing as French cheese. Come on, people. Don't worry, though. The Swiss cheese is a perfect complement to the homemade French onion dip and grilled onions on this very worldly burger. Get out to Runza and try it today. Runza makes it all better. Okay, welcome back into the podcast. It is about uh, 2 o'clock on Thursday, June 10th. couple of things to hit on before I dive into... This pod. Uh, first of all, I want to update some people. Me and Bo, Bo Robert Roode, Bo Roode, former Husker linebacker, former All-Big 12 linebacker, most importantly, my best friend on earth. We're going to be bringing back Husker Classic recaps later this summer. I want you guys to be on the lookout for that. If you don't know what uh, what Husker Classic recaps is. So last year when the Big Ten Conference canceled uh, the football season, Bo and I to kind of fill that void, that Husker football void. We picked 13 classic Nebraska football games. And we made a schedule and each week we would watch the game and, and recap it on the pod. I, I loved it. I'm not so sure there's anything I've ever done in media that I'm like more proud of than than that. You know, and all, all these classic games, what's fun about it, they're all on YouTube. They're super fun to watch. They're really eye-opening to watch in a lot of different ways. You learn about uh, learn a lot about the history of Nebraska football and about you know the great players, the great moments, all those sorts of things. I mean, a lot of these games I remember watching, but it's it's way different to turn it on now and re-watch it. We got through six games on our schedule, and then the Big Ten announced that football was coming back, so we put the Husker Classic recaps on pause for the real season but we're ready to bring it back if you missed it the six games we've done and they're on our on my podcast feed we recapped 97 missouri the the uh the kicker the the flea kicker game where davison had the catch in the end zone saved a national title uh, we did the 94 Orange Bowl, Tom Osborne's first title over Miami. The 83 Orange Bowl loss to Miami, where Tom Osborne goes for two, doesn't get it. We have 94 Colorado. Brooke Barringer was tremendous in that game. The defense was incredible. It's number three versus number two in, inside Memorial Stadium. We have 78 Oklahoma, which was Tom Osborne's first win over Oklahoma. That game was a total bloodbath. It was a really, really, really fun game to watch. And we also did the 2009 Big 12 title game loss. Uh, Bo Pelini and company that one second game to Mac Brown and Colt McCoy in Texas. Uh, so those are all on the podcast feed. Still left on the schedule. We got classics like 2001 Oklahoma, 95 Fiesta Bowl, 82 Penn State, 93 Orange Bowl loss to Florida State. We had the 1971 Game of the Century. And we got some great ones. So be on the lookout for that. Also, I think I got Kenny Bell scheduled to come by my pod next week. Really I've, I'm excited about. It. I've always been a big fan of Kenny. Uh was obviously a great player. He was on the call for the Nebraska spring game. Uh, tons of personality. Can't wait to talk to him think we got it scheduled, uh, but just be on the lookout for that as well. You know what? Just subscribe to the podcast. That way you won't miss any of these great pods when they drop. Just click that subscribe button and uh, all these pods will be automatically uploaded to your phone or wherever you get your podcasts. All right, on the pod today, just me and you again, baby. Got three good topics. Uh, We're going to get into Luke McCaffrey and the kind of surprising decision that he had transferred to Louisville and he was on Louisville's campus for one week and has decided to leave. Got some thoughts on that. Also there's been a lot there's been a big story that's moved pretty quick regarding college football playoff expansion going from potentially, you know, now four teams to maybe 12. Uh, got some thoughts on that, but I want to start with something I used to do every year when I was uh doing my radio show and I loved it. I just I love doing this. It's my annual rankings of Nebraska's schedule from easiest to hardest easiest game on the schedule to the hardest game on the schedule it's a uh, it's a great way to dissect the schedule get pumped for the season maybe realize something about the year you hadn't really thought about and and this schedule for Scott Frost and and, and Nebraska it's brutal right we've all, we've talked about it i mean you could argue nobody's got a harder schedule in college football than Nebraska does, right? I mean, really, 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 really tough schedule. So because of that, this was really hard to do. But I couldn't believe how quickly I was getting to games that are really hard and they're like, I'm like, oh, this is like the fourth easiest game. I'm like, wow, really? This is like, this is how far down the list it is? But I sat down, combed through things for a day or so, and I came up with the rankings. I feel good about how I slotted each game. But here we go. Again, ranking Nebraska – Nebraska's football schedule for the next for next season from easiest game to the hardest game. So let's do it. Here we go. The easiest game on the schedule. I think we'd all be in 100 percent agreement on this. The home opener for Nebraska against Fordham. Easiest game on the schedule. This obviously was rescheduled because of different things getting shifted around with the with 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 the schedule this year and not having Southeastern Louisiana in November, they take they got that off the schedule. They get a game under their belt against uh, against Fordham. You want as, much, as many games as you can under your belt before you go play at Oklahoma. Plus, you need some home games earlier in the year for recruits and revenue, all those sorts of things. All you got to know about this one, this game against Fordham, this is the first Power Five conference opponent Fordham has played since 1954. Let that sink in. First time in 67 years, Fordham will play a Power 5 conference opponent. Yeah, that's that's the recipe for getting the easiest game on the schedule tab. Nebraska should roll. I got Fordham as the easiest game on the schedule. Uh, second easiest game on the schedule is Buffalo. And, you know, this game was going to be sneaky, really, really tough until Lance Leipold left Buffalo to be the head coach of Kansas, which changes kind of everything. So now Buffalo has to make a late hire. They have to totally revamp their staff. And in the midst of that, they lost quite a bit on a really, really good team from a year ago. Buffalo was number two nationally in rushing offense. And they lose their star running back, Jarrett Patterson. It's a big void there. And then, again, with the new staff coming in, I think there's going to be some growing pains within that. So this game got a lot easier on paper once that coaching change went through. But that doesn't mean this is going to be a cream puff cakewalk either. right? Like This is a Buffalo program that has won a lot lately. In fact, they've won 30 games since 2017. Think about that. I mean, Buffalo has been a winning program for the past three or four years. So again, this, this game get, got a lot easier with Leipold leaving and going to Kansas. But if we've learned anything over the years, it's that these games, Northern Illinois, Troy, et cetera, they're, they're a little trickier than than you think. Nevertheless, with the head coaching change and losing their star running back in Patterson, I think it's it's the second easiest game on the schedule for Nebraska. All right, next game. I got Purdue tabbed as the third easiest game on the schedule, which is kind of illuminating when all of a sudden, boom, we're all of a sudden in the conference games here, right? I mean, that's kind of like, whoa. not. I mean, you look at Purdue, not an overly talented team who lost their most talented player in their star playmaker, Rondell Moore. Just think about last year for Nebraska. And we and we talked about the offensive woes for this team and how much they struggled to really get it rolling consistently. Nebraska's best offensive day of the year last season was against Purdue. Hung 37 points. You know, Nebraska then special teams-wise, they blocked a punt. Overall had a pretty darn good day. Purdue made a late surge kind of in the third, early fourth quarter. But Nebraska had a pretty good day in West Lafayette. This is game number nine on the schedule. It'll take place October 30th. Nebraska has a bye week the week before this game, before they host Purdue and Lincoln. So on paper, there's just there's a lot to like about this game for Nebraska and how it shakes out. Purdue was dead last in the Big Ten in rushing offense a year ago. They ranked 124th nationally. They really, really, really struggled to run the ball. And I don't think they're going to be able to get right against Nebraska in Lincoln coming off a bye considering what's on the other side of the ball with with the black shirts. So I think this shapes up to be the quote-unquote easiest Big Ten conference game for Nebraska. And I got it as the third easiest game overall on the schedule. Next game. Fourth easiest game on the schedule. Man, this is where I started to squirm. Like, I, I was immediately squirming. I got at Michigan State. September 25th at Michigan State. I don't know what to make of the Spartans. They were a mess last year. Mel Tucker was hired late, and then the pandemic hit. So, I mean, you're, you're talking about, it's hard enough when you're a new staff and putting in a new system, and it's all new, 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 and then you have the pandemic. So in, in some ways, last year was year zero for, for Michigan State, and this is year one. And let's be honest, it's hard to replace a guy like Mark D'Antonio, right? I mean, like, the guy did a lot of winning. He had a culture. He had a way of doing things. Um, and so whenever you're, you're making a hire, as Nebraska fans have seen, you, 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 will the rosters mesh with what Mel Tucker wants to do, who's the new head coach? Buy in. Where's that at? Fit. All those things. All those things. So, the good news is, when you look at this team on the field, Michigan State was dead last in the Big Ten in scoring offense and scoring defense. Yeah, that's not very good, right? And the other good thing is, I've never felt like East Lansing's a super tough place to play. Right? It's not like you're going to Camp Randall or anything. I've never felt like East Lansing's just you're walking into a hornet's nest. Still a basketball school. You know, they're, it's not like they got it rolling or anything like that. But who knows where Nebraska will be at mentally as well, to be fair. Because this game, the way it shakes out, the week before this game, Nebraska will have their their road game at Oklahoma. So, I mean, will Nebraska be licking their wounds, uh, have all their swag and the cool knocked out of them by getting the snot kicked out of them? Who knows? Or is Nebraska riding high and they maybe upset Oklahoma or they went and played well? You, You just never know. But still... Michigan State was not a good team on the field last year. I've never felt like it's a tough environment. So th- that's the good news. The bad news is Mel Tucker's 2-0 against Frost at Nebraska. He came from Colorado. He's familiar with Frost. He's familiar with the offense, d- you know, schemes, uh tendencies, personnel. So there's also that. Still, not a not a not a brutally tough game for Nebraska. I got at Michigan State is the fourth easiest game on the schedule for Nebraska. Nebraska the fifth easiest game on the schedule this is this is when I was, it was really eye-opening for me I got at Illinois and what's hard about that is is this game's importance is way higher than it's than its uh on the field difficulty if that makes sense which game? which makes this games kind of tough to get a handle on, right? We have all circled this game like this is a huge game. It's a huge game. It's a huge game. And when you, when you look at it, Illinois kicked Nebraska's ass last year in Lincoln. But they 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 fired Lovey Smith. They bring in Brett Bielema. It's the first game of the season, which is always tricky, right? Nebraska's not used to, and they haven't done it in a long time, where they've started the season with a conference game. You know, usually you're playing, you know, Lucky Charms AM, and you can kind of, you know, fumble your way through the game. But it's the first game of the season. It's on the road. First game of the Brett Bielema era, who's had success against Nebraska and in the Big Ten, but that's not quite apples to apples as it pertains to success against Nebraska because it's a different staff and all those things, right? Bo Pelini's not here. It's, not, it's a different deal but the fact that it's Bielema's first game likely means whatever environment Champaign Illinois has in it it'll it'll probably be pretty rocking in there as we've seen as the as you know people are getting vaccinated and and things are opening up and and more and more people are able to go to sporting events and all those things environments you're starting to be like oh man I forgot what it's like to be in a rocking environment what that how big of a factor that can be So it's going to be challenging, right? I mean, Nebraska, these players, they haven't been in a real environment in two years, right? They played in front of exactly zero fans pretty much the entire year a year ago. So, but, you know, with Beal, it's never easy to take over and hit the ground running in game one of year one. But I think the fit could be decent for Beelam and Illinois. Illinois was pretty good running the ball. They were third in the conference. They return a lot on the, on offense, especially on the offensive line, which could make the game difficult. So, it's just, you look at this game. This game is so, so important for Nebraska to win, to get off to a good start. And it's just so hard to know what Illinois will be. Super interesting game. Super important game. But when the game kicks off, though, I just think there are a lot of teams – that I think are just better than Illinois, so it gets harder to, it, it kind of got harder to for me to put them higher than this, in my opinion, right, so I can't wait for this game, man, I can't wait, I'll peg it as the fifth easiest game, but we are now officially entering that part of the list where all the games are pretty tough, right, it's all relative, All right, next game on the list. I put at Minnesota. I put at Minnesota, and I guess I can switch around how I'm phrasing it to to make it sound better. Instead of saying the fifth easiest, so now I'm going to say the, the hardest. I got, I got Minnes- at Minnesota as the seventh toughest slash hardest game on the schedule for Nebraska. Uh, you look at last year. I mean, that's Nebraska's loss to Minnesota and Lincoln was arguably the worst loss of the year for Nebraska, arguably. Minnesota came to Lincoln having not played in a couple of weeks due to COVID. They were down a ton of guys, including some starters. And they just lined up, and they were the smarter team. They were the tougher team. They were the better coach team. And they won in Memorial Stadium. And what's weird is it's hard to get a, a handle on this this matchup with Frost and Nebraska because like Nebraska rocked PJ Fleck in Minnesota in year 1 of Scott Frost but since then Fleck and Minnesota's kind of had Nebraska's number right remember Minnesota blew out Nebraska at Minnesota in 2019 just ran all over them and then like I said came to Lincoln last year and, and beat them pretty soundly but you look at this this Minnesota team they lose Rashad Bateman stud wide receiver They return their quarterback Tanner Morgan, who I've I've, I think is good. I don't think he's great, but they do return Mo Ibrahim, who I like at running back. I think he's a pretty good player. I don't think he's like Jonathan Taylor or anything like that, but I think he's a pretty good player. Overall, nine starters back on offense, six back on defense, so a decent amount coming back for the Gophers. It's game number eight for Nebraska on the schedule. It's mid October, so who knows what the weather will be like in Minneapolis. Um, Nebraska plays Michigan at home the week before, so Nebraska. I bring all that up to say Nebraska should have a pretty good handle on itself and who they are for this game, right? I don't think they're going to be trying to figure out. Well, how good is Omar Manning, and how good is I think by game eight, they you, you should you should have a lot of that stuff figured out. If you don't, it's, it's sound the alarms. You look at Minnesota last year. Minnesota struggled to stop the run. They were not good in in run D. 12th in the Big Ten, they give up 270 yards per game, 207 yards per game on the ground. That's a lot. So unless they got a quick, you know, they really made some big changes. Nebraska should be able to go on the road, run the ball, which is good recipe if you want to win on the road. But, you know, can they be tough and can they be smart on the road? Tough game against a team that's had Nebraska's number for the past two years. Again, I'm switching, I'm phrasing it from easiest to now hardest. I got Minnesota at Minnesota as the seventh toughest-slash-hardest game on Nebraska's schedule. Next game on the list, sixth-hardest game on the schedule. I got Northwestern at home for Nebraska, which will be October 2nd. Uh, Reigning Big Ten West champs, we saw what Fitzgerald's group could do. They actually gave Ohio State a decent little, little run for their money in the Big Ten title game. But man, what's just what's hard is I still just can't get over what my eyes told me when I sat down and I watched Nebraska play at Northwestern last year. Remember that game it was early in the year. I walked away from that game. Now you didn't have the value of hindsight, but I walked away from that game thinking, Nebraska, Nebraska looked like the better team. I felt like for for four quarters, Nebraska looked like they were the better football team, but they still lost, came up short. Remember that was a game where Martinez got pulled Luke came in at the goal line and came in and at the goal line he threw an interception he got batted up in the air and again Martinez getting pulled in hindsight is viewed a little bit different now you kind of go eh, did we you know because when Martinez in the offense was struggling a bit at Northwestern we didn't know that Northwestern had one of the best defenses in the country right they finished fifth nationally in total defense they were the number they were number one in the big 10. Number one in pass defense in the Big Ten. They're a really, really good defense. I, I've been a broken record. I think the world of Pat Fitzgerald, I've sung his praises for 10 years. Anytime there's been a coaching vacancy, or there, any, there's been a, a, you know, when when Polini got fired and then Radley got fired, uh, you know, everybody hoped it to be Frost, but if you thought of other candidates, I always said Pat Fitzgerald, it's pretty clear that he's probably a lifer at at Northwestern, but he, I just think he's a really good coach. He's done a hell of a job. And listen, you know what they're going to be, right? Smart as hell. They're not going to get penalties. They won't beat themselves. They're tough. Nebraska better be able to, you know, be up to the fight toughness wise. And from, you know, a detail standpoint as well. You turn it over a bunch against Northwestern, good luck. You have 10 penalties against Northwestern, good luck. Because they're just not going to do that, right? But with all that said, I just don't think Northwestern's the most talented team in the world. I just don't think they're overly talented. They lose a lot. They only return seven total starters. They replace a, a, a all their offensive skill. And then one of the best players in the Big Ten is gone. Their linebacker, their star linebacker, Patty Fisher, who was just a stud. So, I mean, it's going to be a tough game because it's Pat Fitzgerald and, and Nebraska Northwestern always seem to play just nail biters. But I think Nebraska can and will win this game. Still a tough game. Sixth hardest game on the schedule. All right, next the fifth toughest game on Nebraska's schedule. I got Michigan, which I really struggle with this one cuz it's like, wow, really Michigan? You don't have them as as a little bit higher on the list of in terms of how hard it is. But I mean, it's hard. It's hard when you really look at at who Michigan is, what you know about their team heading into a year th- this this coming season cuz for for a lot of people been a little disappointing under Jim Harbaugh. I thought I thought Harbaugh was going to be a home run at Michigan. But you know what? When you don't get the quarterback right, everything suffers. And that's what's kind of happened, in my opinion, at Michigan. And because of that, they've all of a sudden entered into this world where they kind of got an identity crisis. This just hasn't looked like how I thought it would look. But a lot of that goes when you don't get the quarterback right, there's a domino effect. M- Michigan had, and Harbaugh, they've won the games they're supposed to, but they just haven't been able to beat the top dogs. And ultimately, when you're at a program like Michigan, that's kind of how you're judged, right? It's when you have a guy like Harbaugh come come back. It's, it's amazing to me that when I put a pen to paper and did these rankings that Michigan wasn't one of the three toughest games on the schedule. But I just, I don't think it is, guys. I don't. Offensively, don't know what they'll look like. Defensively, they returned nine starters, but they weren't very good last year on that side of the ball. You know, you... When you think about where both teams will be when they play each other, before before Nebraska hosts Michigan, Michigan will have played Washington. And then the week before they have to go to Lincoln, the Wolverines go to Camp Randall. they got to go to Wisconsin. So you know, I think Michigan will likely be 3-2 and two when they come to Lincoln with the two games that is mentioned as losses. I think they probably lose to Washington and lose to on the road at Wisconsin. So that means their only wins will be over Western Michigan, Northern Illinois, and Rutgers. So I just think when when Michigan comes to town, October 9th, I think Nebraska's probably going to be favored in this game. And, you know, it could be a Michigan team that we don't really know what to think of. But nevertheless, it's still Michigan. And regardless of what the naysayers say, they have excellent talent. They still have Jim Harbaugh, who, in my opinion, I, I, is a really, really good coach. Nebraska can't be sloppy and expect to win this game. I, I, this, of all the games, I had, a, I had a really hard time. Like, you know, you, you size up Nebraska-Northwestern. You got a pretty good sense of what that game is going to look like and what it's going to entail and all those things. This Michigan-Nebraska, I'm not sure. I'm not sure. going to be a really interesting game. And anytime it's Harbaugh and it's Michigan- to me, it demands respect, and it's going to be a tough one. But I just think there's there are other games that rise above it. But I got Michigan as the fifth fifth toughest game on the schedule for Nebraska, fourth toughest game on the schedule. I got the Iowa Hawkeyes coming to Lincoln Black Friday, November twenty sixth. Iowa's totally had Nebraska's number, man. Let's just you gotta you gotta own it. You, you you can't make excuses. It's hard to say out loud, but Iowa's won six in a row against Nebraska. Uh, six in a row. And, you know, like I said a, a little bit ago, like there are certain games where you just kind of know what they're going to be. This it's, it's Iowa, right? You know what this game is going to be. You know what Iowa's was going to do. They're pretty straightforward in, in who they are, what they're trying to do to you on both sides of the ball. Can you stop it? Can you rise to the occasion? Finally beat them? Not overly complicated. Nebraska's had their chances the last three meetings. Because that's what's interesting about this. Although Iowa's had Nebraska's number, really all three games under Frost against Iowa have gone right down to the wire. And could have gone either way. Nebraska's 0-3 against Iowa under Frost. They could easily be 2-1. and one. But, you know, you are what your record says you are. I just think it's not like Iowa's just dominated Nebraska. But, bottom line, Iowa's won. One thing that is that is encouraging to me is like remember after the first matchup against Iowa year 1 Frost 2018 remember that was when when Frost made that comment of we don't look like them right they're bigger than us I think I think that is that gap has shrunk like I think Nebraska's taken massive strides in the trenches Cause really, really go back into your into your in your mind right now. Think about the last two meetings for Nebraska under Mike Riley against Iowa. So 2016 and 2017. 2016 in Iowa City got blown out 40 to 10. Iowa ran the ball for 264 yards. 2017, I get it, it was the last home game. Riley was a dead man walking, but still, Iowa won fifty six to fourteen. Iowa ran the ball for three hundred and thirteen yards and you contrast them to the last two meetings, Nebraska's taken big strides in the trenches. They're not getting pushed around like they were. They're not. Which is encouraging, but ultimately that's got to manifest itself into some wins, right? When you look at Iowa, like I, 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 love, I really like Tyler Godson. I think he's a really good runner. I think he's a really good player for Iowa. They returned 12 total starters, so not a ton of continuity. But the big question for me is their, their their quarterback. Spencer Petras, like, I don't think he's great. I think he's okay. So I think Nebraska has an advantage there. But you know how this is. It's going to be a war, right? Black Friday, November 26th, Lincoln, Nebraska, Memorial Stadium, Iowa, Nebraska. It's going to be a tough, tough game. Fourth hardest game on the schedule. Third hardest game on the schedule at Wisconsin. You know, it's too bad Nebraska didn't get a crack at Wisconsin last year. Remember, they Nebraska played Ohio State, and then they were going to host Wisconsin, and Wisconsin had a whole bunch of COVID positives, and they went on COVID pause, and Nebraska couldn't play the Badgers. And it's too bad, because I really do believe that Nebraska would have, I think they had a pretty good shot at beating Wisconsin last year. I think they did. Not saying I'd I'd have bet my life on it, but I think they had a pretty darn good shot at beating Wisconsin. Because I don't really know what to make of this this Wisconsin team when you look at last year and then project them into this season. Yeah, I'm going to put them as the t- third toughest game due to the fact that it's it's on the road and out of respect. And if there's any program that's earned they're in the benefit of the doubt, it's Wisconsin. I mean, all the things I said about Iowa owning Nebraska, you could say again about Wisconsin as well. They've won you know, six, seven in a row, whatever it is. And listen, you you know what Wisconsin is. You know what this game will be like. It's a lot like the Iowa game. It, it, is Nebraska going to be tough enough? Is Nebraska going to be physical enough? Is Nebraska going to be smart enough to go on the road to Madison and win? Not complicated. The one thing I will say about Wisconsin is it, 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 same thing with, I was talking about the Iowa quarterback. I don't know how to size up Graham Mertz, right? Like he looked like the second coming of Joe Montana in their opener against Illinois on the road. And so he looked good in a limited sample size, but I, I don't know. I don't know if he's elite. He's good. I don't, I don't, but I'm not totally sure. Sample size is pretty small. And then I still think the jury is out on that running back situation. The loss of Jonathan Taylor two years ago is is a big one, right? And I don't know if they got a stud in that spot. But again, we know what this game will be. Going to be a tough one. Late November. November 20th. At Wisconsin. Camp Randall. I That was a game that when Nebraska had their very first Big Ten game. Remember that 2011, they played on the road at Wisconsin. Remember their maiden voyage into the Big Ten. They They go to Wisconsin. They're playing Russell Wilson and those guys. And that was a that was when I was doing, Schick and Nick. And so they actually sent uh, 1620, we went to the game. So Kevin, Michael, uh, me, Shick, we went there. We did radio shows the day before the game and all that stuff. And we were at the game. We sat in the press box. And a couple of things, I was really, really impressed with the environment in Camp Randall. When they did you know, the whole jump around thing, and I'm sure you've seen videos of it, when you're in the press box, the press box was like swaying. We were like moving. I was like, okay. Hold, I didn't like that feeling at all. But that place was rocking, and all I will say is Wisconsin fans were mean, like they were mean. That's not a nice place. Like we just saw how the Hornets Nest was like for for Will Bolt's crew at Arkansas in that regional. Like how just there was kind of like venom and nastiness there. That's how it was. At least when I was there in 2011. Some nastiness there. That's gonna be a, that's gonna be a war, man. At Wisconsin, third toughest game in the schedule. Second toughest game on the schedule. Ohio State and Lincoln. Listen, man, I I don't need to tell you how good how good and how talented Ohio State is. I mean, listen, we've you've seen it firsthand. You saw it when game day came here two years ago, and Chase Young and those dudes beat the life out of Nebraska. You saw it, what it looked like on the field last year. Nebraska hung in there for the for first half, but ultimately still lost by three four touchdowns and then we saw what they looked like in the college football playoff beating Clemson and then ultimately lost to bama but like that like this is a juggernaut monster scary talented big time football program and i think ryan day has proven to be that he is uh he's he's pretty damn good coach but losing justin fields is a big deal in fact i don't think he'd mind me saying this uh, I don't know why he would care. But Bear, I was talking to Barrett Rood about Ohio State and all that stuff. He told me that he thought Fields was probably the best college quarterback he's coached against. Which is, I mean, that's, that's saying something. Ohio State overall returns 11 starters. They do bring back g- guys like Garrett Wilson and Chris Olave on the, on the perimeter. So you know they're going to be dynamic in that regard. And, like, they're just at the point where they, like, Ohio – there are three teams – you could throw Georgia in there if you wanted to, but to me, Bama, Clemson, Ohio State are almost just on a different stratosphere than everyone else in terms of the overall talent and depth of talent on their rosters, where it's truthfully of a, mach- a machine. I roll my eyes a little bit sometimes when certain programs talk about next man up. Hey man, here at here at uh, at at Western Illinois, it's next man up. Oh really? I doubt it. I doubt your second, your two deep is, I bet your second string corner kind of sucks at Western Illinois. I always let, like, next man up. Okay, I mean, I get it. That's one of those things It's nice to say. Got a next man up mentality. Yeah, you know, the next man up mentality works at Bama because guess what that next man up is? He's like a fucking first round draft pick, okay? Next man up worked in 1995 in Lincoln, Nebraska because that backup running back was like, Amon Green, <laughs> like it's, it, it, it works when you got like a, a pro backing up your pro, but that's where, that's what Ohio state, Clemson and Bama got, they can say, we've got a next man up mentality. Yeah, they do. Cause they just are stacking pros, but this game's going to be brutal, right? Game number 10 on the schedule for Nebraska, uh, in Lincoln, gonna be brutal going to be brutal. Brutal. Second hardest game in the schedule. And then, obviously, hardest game on the schedule at Oklahoma. We know the storylines, right? 50-year anniversary, 50th anniversary of the game of the century, 1971, Nebraska-Oklahoma. Old rivalry renewed on the road in Norman, Oklahoma. Nebraska tried to get out of the game didn't. Got an 11 a.m. kickoff that pissed off Oklahoma. God cry me a river. Uh, It's on Fox. It's going to be Gus and Joel and the gang. It's, it's, uh, it's, and Nebraska's going to be taking on an Oklahoma team that is arguably the best team in the country. They're one of, they're going to be preseason top four. Uh, They argue, they got arguably the best quarterback in the country in Spencer Radler. Um, This game's going to be, I mean, we just, it's going to be, it's going to be a bitch. It's going to be brutal. this game's going to be, it's got getting blown out potential. If Nebraska isn't on their A game. In fact, like, here's how you know a game's tough. I feel like Nebraska could go play well and still lose by 21. Like, I feel like there's a scenario where the final score, you know, is, is 48 to 27. And you're like, well, I thought Nebraska actually did okay today. That's how good Oklahoma is, especially in offense. They were sixth nationally in scoring offense a year ago. Lincoln Riley is one of the best offensive minds and play callers in all of football. Oklahoma returned six starters on offense, seven starters on defense. I mean, this, this game is going to be a hell of a test. The early line was Oklahoma favored by 18 and a half. I do really like that Nebraska will have had a road game under their belt with the opener at Illinois. I think that's really, really encouraging. And then this will be Nebraska. You know, Nebraska will be the first legit test for Oklahoma, too. Oklahoma's scheduled before they host Nebraska. They play at Tulane, and they play Western Carolina at home. And then Nebraska comes down. So I mean, Nebraska will have had a tough road game under their belt with this one. But you know, and I suppose that's good if you're trying to. If you're really, I'm really grasping at things for like what's good about this. But anyway, slice it. It's going, this game's going to be brutal you just don't want a 2007 USC type of a game where you you get your doors blown off so bad that it derails the season. If Nebraska's not ready to rock, it could get ugly, especially with how Oklahoma can put up points. But in my opinion, this is an easy choice for the toughest game of the schedule, one of the toughest non-conference games for anyone in college football this season. Toughest game on the schedule for Nebraska is at Oklahoma. So there you go. Repeating him in order. Nebraska's schedule from easiest to hardest. I got Fordham, Buffalo, Purdue, at Michigan state, at Illinois, at Minnesota, Northwestern, Michigan, Iowa, at Wisconsin, Ohio state, and then at Oklahoma. Oh, I'm ready for football season, baby. I'm ready for football season. All right. Next topic. Uh, so as I'm taping this, there's been a story that has, has moved quickly the past week or a few days, started with a Pete Thamel story of Yahoo, and then it, even it, uh, this morning there was a report from Pat Forty and Ross Dellinger, Ross Dellinger. they tweeted out uh, to expect some news regarding the College Football Playoff Management Committee that they had a meeting and they were they were, were going to release uh, – a recommendation for an expanded playoff. Ross Nellinger tweeted that according to sources, the college football working group is recommending a 12 team playoff, six highest ranked conference champs and six at large, the four highest ranked champs get a bye, while the eight other eight play first round games on campus. So he finishes by saying long way from done, but this is the recommendation. So again, this is the recommendation, but there is kind of this, uh, there's this feeling of inevitability that eventually there's going to be some expansion and it's not going to be for very much longer, um, which me personally, I'm elated about. I'm just, I'm pumped. I've told you guys before, and I'll tell you again, I've been for expansion of the playoff from the jump. I hated only having a 14 playoff for a variety of reasons. Number one, I value winning your conference. Number 2, I think everyone should hold their own fate for getting a chance to win a championship in their sport. As it stands today, college football is the only sport where that's not the case, where you don't hold the you you don't control your destiny. And that that like runs counter to everything I love about sports and everything you should love about sports. Because as it's currently constructed, that's not the case. Every group of 5 teams Starts the season with a 0% chance of making the playoff and winning a title. Zero. I just couldn't imagine what that would feel like to show up for fall camp, you get to your meetings, you, you strap on the helmet, first day of practice, and you just know you got no chance of winning a championship. You won't even get an opportunity to play for a championship. To know that before the season begins, that you got no chance, like that's brutal. College football is the only sport where half the teams are immediately eliminated from even having a chance regardless of what they do. I've told you this before, but when I was at Creighton, we were in the Missouri Valley Conference. And, you know, which, I mean, it's, it's equivalent of a group of five in this kind of, like, analogy, right? Did we all think, did me and Dotzler and Pierce Simma and Dane Watts and Nick Porter and Anthony Tolliver and Nate Funk and all that, did, did we all think we were going to win a national championship? I mean, I don't even know how to answer that question. Deep down inside, I suppose we didn't. But at the same time, we knew we had a chance. We knew we had a chance. We knew. We controlled our fate. We controlled our own fate to get a bid to the NCAA tournament. And then we controlled our own fate in winning six games in the NCAA tournament, which would win a title. Period. Period. We controlled all that. We all, No matter what, we had to go to St. Louis for the Missouri Valley, Missouri Valley Conference Tournament. We had to win three games there. We do that. We get into the NCAA Tournament. Once we're there, it's game on. We got to win six games. win a title. We were in control. That's not the case for the group of five teams. And that's just, I, I don't even know what, it, stupid feels like the, uh, I'm not even doing it service for how dumb it is. That's not the case for group of five teams, and, and hell, that may even be the case for some Power Five teams. It's plausible that an undefeated Power Five champ would get left out of a playoff, a four-team playoff, if it's a team without a track record of credibility. Like, think about it. if Northwestern, If, if Northwestern would have been undefeated and beat Ohio State in the Big Ten title a year ago, it's possible they'd have been left out, and that's so silly. It's, oh, Nick, you, dude, UCF wasn't one of the best teams. How do you know that? How do you know that? UCF would have no chance to beat LSU. Oh, really? They did. N- or, or amb- Oral Roberts has no chance of beating Ohio State. Oh, yeah, they did. UNBC has no chance of beating. Oh, they did. Boise State could never beat Oklahoma. They did. You don't know that. You think that. And I would think I, I think it too. Like, did I think Ohio State was going to beat Oral Roberts? I did. Did I think LSU was going to beat Central Florida in the a couple of years ago in football? Yeah, I did. Did I think Oklahoma's? I did. But that's why you play the fucking games, right? That's why you play the games. So I just think I, I don't. I, I don't like how teams don't control their own fate. I, I value winning your conference, and I think the sport has become too regionalized to the su- to to the South. By expanding the playoff, you're going to expand your reach because you have designated spots for the for each Power Five conference champ. But I would go with an eight-team playoff. That's just me. If you want to go to twelve, whatever. I mean, but but I I like eight. And let me back up because I think like it's not as easy as just going. All right, twelve teams. Like you, you got to almost like deconstruct you, you, you got to give a big picture plan for college football and how you would structure it all. Because I think to a certain extent, college football needs to restructure its scheduling and its postseason and all that. And in order to do that, you almost got to like you got to knock the foundation down. Like that's I think like you know you you watch those those flipper flop homes or whatever. Like some homes just need a new coat of paint and a new roof or whatever, and they then you're good to go or a new, some new windows, some new pillow windows and doors. Some need the whole foundation knocked over and built right back up. I could argue that, and this is hard because college football is still massively popular and I love it, but college football maybe needs a full-fledged bulldozing down to the ground and then rebuilt back up. And here's how I would structure it if we were going to bulldoze it down to the ground and build it back up. Which again, I think if you're expanding the 12 teams, you kind of need to do that. Here's what I would do. I would have universal nationwide scheduling mandates and parameters for all conferences. Everyone has to play the same amount of conference games. No, we're not having the SEC play eight while the Big Ten plays nine. Everyone has to play then one non-conference game versus a power conference opponent. And then... The other thing would be no more FCF's opponents. I'm sorry. No more FCS opponents. So I'd start there. you got to have some universal nationwide scheduling mandates and parameters. You just do. If we are concerned about playing too many games, because I've heard that, too many games for these college kids, which could be a valid concern, then I would structure it like this. Everyone plays nine conference games. Everyone everyone plays one non-conference game versus a power 5 opponent. Then everyone can schedule a group of 5 opponent for their other non-conference game. So, nine conference games, two non-conference games for a grand total of 11 total regular season games. Then you have your conference championship game. If you want this is you know, if you want to do this you can if not whatever. If you want, you can have everyone kind of do what what the Big Ten did last year, where they play their cross divisional standing equivalent. Where remember, how Nebraska played Rutgers at the end of the year, so first place in the Big Ten East plays first t- place in the Big Ten West for the Big Ten title. But then second place in the East plays plays second place in the West, then third place plays third, and fourth place fourth, then fifth place fifth, on and on. I can go either way on this, but if you want to do it, cool. If not, whatever. Then for the playoff, I'd have eight spots. Five are reserved for the Power Five Conference champs. So you have five automatic bids. SEC, ACC, Pac-12, Big 12, Big 10. Then you got three at-large spots. With one spot being reserved for Group Five. First-round games of the playoff are played on campus. Top four seeds all host. So one seed host eight, two host seven, three host six, four host five. Then you'd have four teams left standing after your first round, and then you can do it at neutral sites just like you're currently doing it with the college football playoff. And boom, there you go. So if you made it to the national title game, you'd play a total of 15 games, which, by the way, is the amount they are currently playing now. Oh, and by the way, we aren't taking a month off from the end of the regular season to start uh, to the start of this thing. We're, we're done with that. I can't stand that. It's the dumbest thing in the world. We are at most taking one, maybe two weeks off. And the teams that don't make the playoff, they can still do their bowl games if they want. Knock yourself out. You want to go play in the, you know, craft Macaroni and Cheese Bowl? Go ahead. But there you go. That's how I'd structure it. 18 playoff, nationwide mandated scheduling parameters for everybody. So much better than how how it's currently constructed. So we'll see what this ultimately what this looks like because it's it is truly remarkable how college football has just never gotten its postseason right. Isn't that weird? For as amazing of a sport it is and its popularity, its its postseason sucks by far and away the worst postseason of any major sport. I mean, they used to decide the national championship by poll voters and the AP and the co- uh, huh? then we had a computer formula decided with the BC uh, huh? then we went to four a 14 playoff which just doesn't make sense when you think about you know how, the structure of the conferences and all that stuff it's the only sport where we've let people in a room decide who gets to play for a title and it's just if you were starting sports today no one would do that Nobody would do that. And it's the only sport that takes, in some instances, a full month off from the end of the regular season to play its playoff and crown its champion. Could you imagine that in any other sport? I mean, even if you want to get, like, could you imagine? So, Jalen Suggs banks in that shot to beat UCLA. Baylor rolls Houston. It's Baylor, Gonzaga, for a national title. We'll see you in a month. What? It's the Kansas City Chiefs and the Tampa Bay Buccaneers. Brady, Mahomes, we'll see you in five weeks. No. That's so dumb. Imagine starting any sport today and be like, all right, our postseason. So when the regular season ends, we're going to wait a month, a full month before they play and crown a champion. How about that? Oh, and by the way, who gets to play for a championship? We're just going to have some people in a room decide who we think is the best and who deserves it. The Nick Bob Podcast is brought to you by my good friends at Runza. Everybody that knows my athletic background, you know, as a quarterback in high school. But, you know, I believe in establishing the run game. And even more than that, I believe in establishing the Runza game. That's an original Runza cheeseburger, some onion rings, double dipped in a homemade batter, Little bit of a pop to top it off. You know, in football, you establish a run. But at lunch, you establish the runza. It's just that simple. So get out to runza today and establish the runza game or check out the delicious salads. You got the chicken, bacon, ranch salad, sweet berry chicken salad, and my personal favorite, the Southwest chicken salad. You got to get out to runza, establish a runza game, or get a salad. Either way, you are going to leave satisfied. Runza makes it all better. College football has just never gotten its postseason structure right, and it's just not that hard. Hopefully, they get it right this time. Hopefully. All right. L- the The last interesting story I want to want to touch on here is is there was some news that that was was interesting regarding Luke McCaffrey. Uh, Luke, according to so Luke McCaffrey who left Nebraska and transferred to Louisville, has... uh, There was a a story that Luke McCaffrey has left Louisville. He's left the program. And according to the story, McCaffrey was on campus for a week, went through three or four workouts, and decided, peace, I'm out of here. Here's the quote from Louisville head coach Scott Satterfield. Uh, He said... Quote, Luke came in last week, started working out Wednesday with the team. Then I guess after the week, those three, four days, just decided that this wasn't the place for him. His big thing he wanted to do, he wanted to come in and play and be a starting quarterback. I guess after three or four days, just decided that wasn't going to happen here. Huh. Hmm. I mean, I I don't quite know what to make of the specifics of that situation. You're just kind of piecing it together. But I, I think the most telling part of that quote I just read was, quote, his big thing was he wanted to do, he wanted to come in and play and be a starting quarterback. He wanted to come in and play and be a starting quarterback. Okay, I mean... There's a lot to unpack there. There's the end of it with be a starting quarterback. Okay, does that mean that he wasn't definitely going to be a quarterback and that got dropped on him right as he arrived on campus? Now, personally, based on what I saw last year, I don't think he's a natural quarterback. I think he's an athlete playing quarterback. So that would make sense in that regard. Although it would be a surprise if all of a sudden Louisville wanted to change positions on on him immediately immediately when that had to have been the number one thing Luke was asking these teams about when he was transferring, right? Am I a quarterback? Are you going to play me a quarterback? I just want to be a quarterback. I'm a quarterback. But overall, I think the big thing with that quote is Luke McCaffrey was seeking a guarantee, and he didn't feel it. You read that situation, you read that quote, and it reads to me that Luke McCaffrey was seeking a guarantee and he didn't he didn't get it and he didn't feel it. And you go, "Well, what happened? Maybe the first day of organized practice and whatever he was with the third or fourth stringers or something like that and he bailed immediately. Who knows?" But I saw this story and and I was thinking about it on a bike ride and I think it, <sighs> I think this story, I think it speaks a little bit to the mindset of those that transfer. I can speak to this because I transferred. I can speak to this a little bit. Everybody's different. You hate to paint with a broad brush. But we're just spitballing here because we can only go off of what we know from the outside looking at. I can speak to this a bit because it happens subconsciously. Once you transfer and leave your first school. You are looking for guarantees. You just went through rolling of the dice and competing for a starting spot, and it didn't work out. Obviously, you are wanting out of that situation and seeking a situation that provides more assurances, right? All right, I'm a backup. I don't think I'm... I'm I'm not going to be the starter. I got to compete to see if I can win it. I don't like this spot. So I'm going to go over there where I'm the backup. I'm not sure if I'm going to be the starter. I got to compete for it. You know, you know what I mean? That's like, I don't like a, oh, honey, I don't want to sit in the booth. I don't like booths. Let's change this booth and go over to that booth. Well, it's still a booth. Like, I mean... So again, you're wanting out of that situation and seeking a situation that provides more assurances and your willingness to endure the what ifs and endure and entertain that this might not work out are greatly diminished. They are. And maybe there's a little bit of that at play here because that is kind of the unintended consequence and mindset of a player that transfers to a certain degree. Again, I hate to commit the sin that I usually get upset about of painting with a broad brush, but but think of just use logic. I mean, people leave because they want to play. So naturally, they want to go to a place where they feel like that gives me a better shot to play. They don't want to enter into a situation that's the exact same situation they just left. That's some of the unintended consequences and mindsets of players that transfer. They come in with a slightly different mindset. They just do. For the player who transferred, you just saw a situation through and competed and it didn't work out. So when you go to your next situation, you don't want that situation to happen again. Matter of fact, you don't want that entire situation again, period. I mean, again, I don't know what the, I don't know the specifics. I'm just thinking out loud and using some of my experiences to try to figure this thing out. Because you sit there and go, man, what on earth could have revealed itself in just one week that made Luke McCaffrey hit the eject button immediately? Just perplexing. And it's even more perplexing when you think about, when you think about his family and and how much they understand the the spirit of competition and the, and and what goes into being a football player and what goes into a team and a locker room and all those things like Ed McCaffrey Christian McCaffrey like Dylan McCaffrey all these people like they understand they understand that stuff at a high high level so it's just odd given that and then it's odd given what you, what you you hear about Luke Luke McCaffrey by all accounts is a worker grinder got a great motor, all those things. So just perplexing. And I will also say this. Coach Altman used to used to tell us this frequently. He'd, he'd get in front of the teams and he'd say, Fellish, if you quit once, it, it gets easier to do it again and again. You cheat on a test once, it gets easier to do it again. You don't get up and work out at 6 a.m. It gets a hell of a lot easier to not get up at 6 a.m. tomorrow and and work out and then the next day and the next day. And you know what he's right. Anybody that's ever... Say, say you're, you, you're like, man, I'm going to start waking up every day. I'm going to start getting up at six. I'm going to go run on the treadmill. I'm going to eat right. Like the first day that you hit the snooze and you're like, nah, I'm not going to do it. It gets a lot easier than the next day to be like, nah, I'm not going to do it. Once you do something once, it gets a lot easier to do it again. And to me, there's a little bit of 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 that going on with this as well. Once you bail on a situation once, it's easier to bail again. And You know, I mean, we'll see what ends up happening. Be interested to see where Luke McCaffrey ends up now. I've heard some people say, oh, could he come back to Nebraska? I just, I don't see it. That's a tough, that is a, first of all, it's a tough spot for Luke. It's a tough spot for how the team then views him. It's a tough spot for, uh, it's a tough spot for Scott Frost. Yeah, I don't I don't see that. I mean, I remember for me, uh, when I announced that, when it w- became public that I was going to transfer from Kansas. You know, I, I told the guys on the team and, and it was in the paper and all that stuff in Lawrence, Kansas. Like, the semester wasn't completely done yet. There still was like maybe two weeks left in the semester. And, and so it was kind of weird. Like, am I still coming to workouts? Am I not? And like, the next day, Mirror Coach Self was like, "Hey, bud, you you can still you can still come work out, bud. If you want, you can, so we're, we're going to be playing three on three in the facility tomorrow. Like, and I'll never forget the day after I transferred, I came to workouts, and it was weird. It was instantly different. In just one instant, it was everything was different. When I walked into the gym, it wasn't like." And to this day, all the, I'm still I'm still very close with all the coaches. I think all the players understood my reasoning, my rationale. But I, I the, when I walked into that gym, it, it everything had changed. Everything had changed. There was tension. There was an elephant in the room. They were looking at me like you you aren't on the team, right? And they're right. Like, I'm not, now. I'm officially not on the team. It was weird. I vividly remember it. I was like, whoa. I didn't know what to expect. and I was a little like, I don't, but I was like, nah, I need, you know, if Coach coach Self invited me to still work out, I should still work out and I got to stay in shape and all this stuff. I didn't know what to do. I went and worked out, played throughout the, it was weird. So I'm telling you, Luke, walking back in that door. Yeah, I mean, like you're still your buddies, right? Like all those guys, I'm still buddies with. But like when you when when it's practice time and it's like it's just that the friendship thing's different. You're still friends, but it's like there's friends and there's that relationship, and then there's like teammate, like we're together here. I mean, I know. Even I've told you this story before. But when when Coach Altman left and took the Arkansas job, was gone for a day and then came back. It was it was weird when he came back. When when he had the meeting with us in the locker room, when he came back, there was an awkward locker room because at the end of the day, he had quit on us. He had left us. The first couple of days he was back in in at at. at workouts and all this. It was weird. It was, I mean, it's those types of things. Like once you go there, it's hard to, it's hard to reel that thing back in and have it just be all the same again. So I don't, I don't know. I mean, listen, you never say never. We're in unprecedented times with this stuff. Could Luke come back? Maybe I don't see it. I don't see it. So there you go. Reminder, make sure you subscribe to the podcast. Just click that subscribe button while you're at it. Give it a five-star rating and a review. It does help me but it also helps you. Make sure you don't miss any of the content when it drops. All right. Appreciate you tuning in. Appreciate you downloading the pod. See you next time on the Nick Bob Podcast. All right. My thanks to Pella. If you're thinking about a new window or a new door, now is the time. Check them out online on the web at PellaOmaha.com. That's PellaOmaha.com. And uh, my thanks to my good friends at Runza. Best fries on the planet. Great burgers. Cheese Runza. Delicious. The food is simply fantastic. Runza makes it all better. A Media Production.